fight, and you may be subbed. Comply, and you'll stay on the field, at least for a while. And retired, many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all the games from this day to that? For one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell the parents and coaches, shut up and no more, this is our game, not yours. And to tell them that they may take our game, but they'll never take our freedom. And here we are. This is Coach Cameron on episode 731. Here with me is Dan Salas. Uh, am I saying your last name right? Yeah, Dan Salas. All right, uh, not too bad. So I, I've known I know I've known Dan for a while, um, he, coaching at Cronendale Soul forever, and uh, I've I've got some players from from there. I was hoping I was going to get uh, what's his face. He's with the Rising now. Ryan Flood. Yeah, Ryan Flood. He's actually in. Uh... Ireland playing with Finn Harps FC. Really? First division. You remember Dave Rogers? No. Dave Rogers was with, I believe it's FC Arizona. He was FC Arizona or Arizona FC, whatever that was, right when, um, right when, um, if that was at the beginning of it. And do you remember um, there was like a open cup game and it was... Oh, yeah, at Chandler Gilbert? At Chandler Gilbert, yeah. and Flood played the Rising. Mm -hmm. And that was the team that was coached by a gentleman, my Dave Rogers. Oh. And so Dave went from that team to, I believe, uh, Southampton Academy in London. Okay. And then from there, he recently got the head job at Finn Harps in Ireland. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. So, and, it, that's, it, and that's where Ryan's at. Is Ryan playing right back, or is he up front scoring goals? Um. All over. So I want to say he started the first game at right back and then left wing. And then he just had his first goal for Finn Harps playing the 10. Nice. Oh, so, that's not a bad position for him. No. He's so dynamic. And, he can, and I think he can strike the ball. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we had we had Ryan for yeah. a moment. Uh, we thought we were going to have him and then it didn't work out. And he went pro. But um, yeah. <laughs> he, was a, he was a pro in high school. Yeah, half so, my team. Well, yeah, <laughs> I got to be careful what I say. It's a live show. Yeah, uh, every Sunday, eight PM Mountain Standard Time. You can find us here uh, on iHeartRadio, Google Play, or wherever else podcasts are found, or more importantly, YouTube Live. But uh, Dan, thank you yeah. so much for being on the show. I, I heard you on the AIA, uh, the six A game. Yeah, um, that was a good game. Um, it between San Luis and uh, who won it? It was uh, Perry. Perry, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, that was, a, that was, that was a good game. You know, I thought, I thought San Luis uh, definitely outplayed him, uh, out soccered him, so to speak. Yeah. And then um, I think the the just the physicality and kind of like the the spirit of Perry. You know, um, I thought they were they were a little more excited at the beginning of the match, and that that's what gave them that first goal. And then they came out second half. You know, uh, probably excited. You know, hey, I'm we're up one goal, and all it needed was that throw, and then they got that second one, and that was yeah, that was just a little too much. I think defensively they played really well, 
They uh, they were well connected in the back. The second half, they adjusted and didn't let uh, San Luis kind of penetrate through their back line like they did yeah. in the first half. And that's when they were just getting free free runs, diagonal runs all across all around the box. And the second half, they just made that adjustment. I thought it was great, and it was just like locked tight. Yeah, that San that San Luis uh, center back uh, number four. Yeah. I don't remember his name right he, off the bat. Yeah, uh, he, he, he signed with Eastern. Uh, the new program in Eastern Arizona. Okay. So they, they have a brand new division one program there right. and, and he'll do well there. Uh, so we'll be playing him. I, I wanted him, but he already signed. So I'm not messing yeah. with him. Yeah. I thought he was, he was their spirit, man. He was, when he played against level. Brophy, man, he really in the semis, he really just, there was, there were times when I felt he was the strongest player on the field, even though um, they're, they're number 10. I think is the most dynamic player in smooth. Um, I thought he was good, but it was the center back. Yeah. It was the glue. Yeah. They, they, they were a very, I mean, San Luis is just, just has nothing but talent over there. Cause just the, the culture is there, but the, the, the show yeah. today, the reason I bring you on is, is the whole uh, high school versus club debate kind of, um, Arizona soccer is a little different in high school. I coach high school. You, you've coached many years in yep. high school. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about your background. So uh, what, what inspired you to become a high school soccer coach and how long you've been coaching? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think back, I, I grew up just outside Chicago in a town called Lombard. I went to Northern Illinois University in DeKalb, Illinois. I played four years at DeKalb at uh, NIU. Um, and when I was at NIU, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. And there's the local high school, DeKalb High School. And one of the, the head coach at the time said, hey, do you, would you want to come out and just help me out at practice? And at the time, he had a decent team at DeKalb. I think it was 1990, 1996, 97, something like that. Anyway, he, uh, he gave me an opportunity to come out to practices, and I loved it. I was like, this is what I want to do. And it was the, you know, the team experienced some, some success. And... I immediately was like, this is where I want to go. And I felt at the time, um, as soon as I had graduated college, I was ready to go. I was ready to just be a teacher. And I was fortunate enough to where um, there was a high school, Plainfield, Illinois, that was opening up a new high school. And the athletic director uh, I maybe sought me out or, or knew the – maybe the athletic director at the school I student taught at said, yeah, we got this young guy. Seems like he wants to be a, a coach. And I got an interview and immediately I got the head boys and girls job at a brand new high school, um, straight out of college. And it was off and running from there. Jeez Louise. Yeah. No, what, what, what year was that? So that would have been it's out you right now. Yeah. So that <laughs> would have been, so yeah. So, so that would have been, uh, 2000, 2001. Okay. Yeah. Plainfield. Plainfield South High School, <laughs> yeah, and it was it was fantastic. It was it was a really good good situation. There was obviously there's not a lot of expectations. You only start with, um, I think it was sophomores at the time. So you had a JV schedule, and then you went as soon as they were juniors, you had a full on varsity schedule. So I was there for three years, and then went to uh, a middle school that I grew up in, and then as we were talking just before the show started, being from Chicago, it was. It was just uh, the winters were way too much, and I just said it was a December of t- or January of two thousand three. I said I've had enough, and uh, 
um, I was, I've been doing a, a camp at Elmhurst College. I don't know if you're familiar with Elmhurst College. And Dave DiTomaso, um, he's been running Elmhurst College's men's program since its inception. And I've been going back to do his camps. I started with his doing his camps back in the summer of 99. And one of the summers, he has his uh, uh, Ohio State roommate from Arizona. And the guy says, yeah. hey, you should, you should come out and visit in Arizona. You're frozen. Yeah, a little bit. What the flip, man. I have to fix that okay. or I'm going to lose it. Keep talking. Yeah. I'm so, going to fix that. Yeah, no problem. So, yeah, so I I, uh, I went to uh, – I've done his camps, and sure enough, I, I said, hey, can you, can you uh, do me a favor? Is there any, you know, teaching, coaching jobs out in Arizona? I'm, I think I'm going to come for my spring break. And I came for his spring break in 2003 – and if you remember, uh, Fran Bader, uh, good old Fran Bader from Corona del Sol, um, was his coach in high school. And he goes, yeah, my, my coach, will, he'll hook you up. And I went, to, uh, I went to meet Fran and one of the best human beings I've ever met in my life. And he just said, hey, if you want an assistant coaching position, I can, I could use, I, you know, Paulie said a bunch about you and I trust his opinion. So I'll take you as my assistant if you move here. And I'm like, sign, deal. And um, I got a chance to teach special education. I got my master's degree in special education in 2003, three, four, And then um, that was it. And off and running at Corona. Corona reminded me a lot of the, the high school I just left. You know, um, a little bit higher socioeconomic, but very similar in, in kind of like the the the, the the clients, the not the clients, but the the people around the community, um, about the same. I can't, I can't believe how beautiful Corona del Sol is, and so I played there once. Far as uh, our coach there once. Okay. And uh, at Millennium High School, we're playing the, the girls team, and we're walking on campus. I'm like, what the flip is this? Yeah. Middle of the campus, they have two soccer fields. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think grass and one turf, and mm-hmm. and I'm like. And at Millennium, not to knock Millennium, we have a beautiful basketball facility. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> but nowhere to play soccer. It's just like gopher holes, whatever. It's not good. And then to go to Corona, I'm like, dude, not cool. Not yeah. cool at all. It's beautiful. Yeah, well, the, if you remember, oh, man, I think it was probably 2000, 2006, 2007, the, the old Insight Bowl the teams used to practice there. And so I was, I was, uh, you know, put off the campus for about four weeks when the insight bowl would come and they would, you know, winter sod the grass or winter seed the grass of the stadium and the practice field. And, uh, they, <laughs> they kept it for about, uh, maybe eight, nine, 10 years, something like that. And, one year they decided we're not going to renew the contract or something went wrong with um, the, the whatever bowl committee mm-hmm. it was. And I said, well, I gotta, I gotta have this grass. This is what we practice on. And like, I think, you know, in Arizona high school soccer, you know, kids can, kids can come anywhere they want for, for, you know, to play. And I always thought like, obviously you saw it, you, you know, saw that the campus condition and, if I kept that kind of going, you know, we have ball boys come to games and, you know, for different youth club teams. And I've had some success just, you know, having 
youth teams come and kids that are out of boundaries going, this is where I want to go to high school and play soccer. Right. Just from that, just from walking on campus, seeing kind of knowing it's a good academic institution, you know, it holds up. And then to have <laughs> the, the grass, the, 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 just the, again, when you walk up, it looks great. Yeah. It, it, it's unbelievable. But um, so a question I have for yeah. you, like, so at Corona del Sol, uh, my friend Sasha Hunter won a state title there. Yeah. Uh, when we should have won it at Shadow <laughs> Mountain High School. I played Shadow, and Sasha Hunter and Corona del Sol won it. I was so upset because back then it was like Dobson was unbelievable. Corona del Sol, um, it, it, from the same region, they had four. Back then it was Corona del Sol, Dobson High School, uh, I think, shoot. Four, four of the schools from that region were all in the top ten. Yeah, and Shadow Mountain, we're number one, and of course we lose to Dobson, like the third ranked team of the region. Yeah. Um. Anyways, and then Corona wins it, so um, yeah, it, it's a powerful area of soccer that 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 neck of the woods. So AIA. Yeah. And we don't have to talk about too much of this. I think you're, are you contracted by AIA now? No. How'd you get that gig, by the way? Um, you know, it was wild. I, I, I received, uh, Chris Harris is his name, who was the, um, like the, the lead guy in the, the, the broadcast, uh, emailed me and said that, um, a coach he had been speaking with said that you should contact Dan Salas over at Corona. Maybe he'd want to help you do this and it was just like i loved and i was as soon as i got his email i'm like a done deal um but at the at the time at the time of the email um you know i i I just there'd been some conflict going on coaching wise at corona and then soon uh, you know after i resigned um i just called chris and i said i'm in because i knew obviously if i'm not coaching i'm going to be available for the for the playoff games so Right. So, so, so the question I have for you, yep. Dan, is how much can we rip on AIA where it doesn't affect your broadcasting abilities? Um, you know, I don't think in, I don't think you know if we talk about ripping right. on them. Well, I just think let me rip on them. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's, I think there's enough um, room for improvement, definitely for a lot of things that, just as an organization, and I know it's hard for you know maybe the powers that be to kind of see it that way, but it just like everything else changes and adapts and evolves. I think maybe some of these, the same thought process can happen with the AIA. So I don't want to sidetrack this podcast Mm -hmm. because I've covered this in depth, (laughs) Um, but uh, I want to ask you another question Mm -hmm. as far as uh, rivalries. Yeah. uh, who is Corona del Sol's rivalry, and how important is that to your program? Very. Uh, I would say there are uh, – Desert Vista would probably be the first one. Obviously, it's in, in the same district. I would say Desert Vista, and a- again, like I, I think I would put I would put Brophy there. Because we've always enjoyed, I've always enjoyed competing against Brophy. Um, I've always enjoyed, you know, when it was started with Mark Kelly and then it went to, oh, I forgot the gentleman's name. Um, he had moved um, right after Mark and then it became Paul Allen. And then 
it was Mark Kelly's back. Mark Kelly's back. What a dude. <laughs> yeah. What a guy, man. Um, um, but as far as rivalries, yeah. And, and I like what you asked about what does it do for, you know, the high school game? I think it's huge because, um, and maybe it's changed a little bit. Maybe you've noticed this is that kids are not as ferocious with each other as they used to be. Um, you know, when you, you, we, you know, maybe when we grew up and I could even say when I first started at Corona in 2004, five, six, you know, there was real hatred for desert Vista mountain point, um, Hamilton, you know, you went into games and you, they just didn't like, you knew it was going to be a great game competitive, but it was, it was a real, like, Ooh, I don't, I don't like them. Um, and then it kind of turned where now kids play club soccer and they're always with each other on their teams. Um, and where it once was that, yeah, I know him, he might be on my club team, but he plays for said school. I don't like him. And right. I think now it's gotten kind of, I, I don't I hate to use the term soft, but it's gotten, it's gotten different where like, that's my boy. That's my, and they want to talk to each other before the games and like, you know, like ah, that, that edge. I think it's yeah. lost a little bit. Yeah, you know? I, I, I can see that. The, the the other thing is because everything's documented, everything's on uh, video or something, so you'll get caught too. So yeah. keep the peace, I guess, and or you'll get canceled. Right. Uh, but <laughs> man, if, if, if there was video of what I did as a player in rivalry games or whatever, yeah, I, I'd be in big trouble. But uh, we won't talk about that. But um, but rivalries are very important. Um, I, at Millennium, we our, our rival, in my opinion, is everybody. But um, in our region, because <laughs> we've we've won it, our, our region's it's not as strong as East Valley. East Valley's a different animal. But um, we've never lost a game in region in s- seven years. Wow. Um, but it's not of the level of East Valley. But but we but close matches though. Yeah. Like, but we always find a way to win because whatever. But our rival is Verado, um, pretty much. And now it's kind of turned into Canyon View now. But uh, it brings a lot of people to the game. Yes. Like we yes. get we get crowds that you will not get in club, and I think that's different. A different kind of pressure too. So, do you think club? It de- for me, club doesn't offer. It might offer high level play in some circumstances, but not the pressure. No, not with crowd, no, not that no, environment at all. No, no, you're absolutely right. You nailed it. Like, I think I've had multiple players. You know, um, and even including Ryan Flood, um, but multiple players who either didn't play when they started high school, uh, high school soccer, or they started playing high school soccer as freshmen, sophomore, and then, you know, their parents stepped in and thought it'd be a better idea for them to can just play club only. And I, th- I think just the, just the excitement, you know, that they say this doesn't compare. I don't think again, like a Friday night home game against desert Vista senior night, desert Vistas, uh, a Friday night against Brophy uh, and, and, you know, if you're fighting for the region title, that's that's the pressure you're talking about. And I think, you know, when you talk to college coaches, um, and at least the ones I've had the conversations with, they want to have a kid 
that plays as hard on Tuesday night against the worst team in the region as hard as he does Friday night against the best team in the region when everything's on the line. And I don't necessarily see that it's, it's a club soccer is so, it's so watered down with game after game after game after game and tournament here, tournament there. Like what game actually matters now? Yeah. When does it matter? Or because if I lose on, if I lose, like if I've got a game, if I play on Saturday and you know, uh, I've got a tournament, we play two games on Saturday which is the first problem. And then you got another two games on Sunday and the second game on Sunday is like the third place match. And you got to go all the way back to, you know, drive 40 more minutes to play a a match. The kids are like, I don't even know why we're playing. Yeah. You know, so (laughs) the, the, speaking of rivalry and it it is a different environment. You're in a stadium. You you have, basically you'll have one side that is not rooting for you and they're loud and then you have your home fans where are depending on you to have success to right. represent the jersey you wear because you represent a whole school, which is a lot different. Because um, clubs is not, oh, I represent this club. They, they don't play for everything for that club. Um, so how, how do you prepare your team for important games such as a rivalry or a playoff? What would be the way you would? And, and stating, I know that I do know that I don't know that I do know that I know, don't know anything because I keep changing my approach in soccer, but any, any, you have so many years of coaching, you know, 20 years of coaching uh, sure. high school ball. Uh, w- what have you done that would be unique or creative or w- what do you think is the best balance on preparing your, your student athletes to be ready for a big game? Yeah, those are, you know, especially like the rivalry games. Those are the ones you don't know, you know, and, you don't necessarily put them up on the, on the board, but it's one of those, you know, the kids are they're They're thinking about that because there's bragging rights going back to club. And as far as, you know, preparing team, preparing for big games. um, I, I'm not a big believer in preparing for one game more than you would prepare for the next. Um, I'm, I like, again, just every game should be, every game should be, um you know prepared for equally but i also think that the kids know how important that game is and that what i think is important um is to almost sometimes bring them down because they get so excited and you can you can tell at some at some points that they're they get so excited that they they don't stay in their lane they play outside of what they really want to do and um I like the idea of challenging the players before the game and saying, Hey, listen, you know, you've got, it's a big game and there's going to be youth kids out there coming to this game. There's going to be someone's little cousin. There's going to be someone's little brother. Um, And by the time the game ends, what are those kids saying about you? Who's going to be their favorite player tonight? Yeah, I, I like how you, you're and, – and I apologize for this flipping live show. It's okay. Cameras are going out and all that stuff, but we'll figure it out. But the audio is good. Um, yeah, I like how you point – I think it's smart about not, like, changing your approach. Just keep being consistent. Keep every game the same because the pressure is going to be the pressure. Um, and the, it, it's hard. Like, co- coaching today is very difficult. Um, and – and I always change my approach. I'm like, I'm doing like the power now. We do deep breathing, trying to stay present and focus on that. Of course, coaching girls is a lot different than coaching young men. Um, but 
it's so hard to control emotions because they're all over the place. TikTok has ruined um, our kids with their ability to be able Destroyed. to stay focused. Uh, so uh, have you, through the years you've coached, uh, have you noticed that you had to like kind of change your approach year to year for because the kids are changing because of technology? Yeah, and I think the 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 other thing too, the technology is one piece and then... I think, again, where kids, kids want to be, you know, talked about emotions, you know, you, you get the, you know, they, they change from day to day. I think with kids now, um, they, they put, and this is, this is the challenge. I don't know if you see this on the girl side, but I think on the guy side, they equate playing time to their value. How, oh. how, and, and so, you know, you, you could say like, you're part of the team. Right. And you should be competitive and you should have to work for your you work for your game, your playing time. You should have to work for your position on the team. And I think once once kids are on the team, they think, well, no, I should play. And that's not always the case. And I think that's where that's where not only that honest conversation has to happen at home, but that kid has to have that he has to be humble and say, Hey, you know what? Maybe I'm not as good, but it's difficult going in the car ride home where mom and dad might say, Hey, you know, we traveled 40 minutes and you played six. Yeah. You know, that's a tough it, conversation. It, 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 it is. And it, it, it is a, a problem because the, their identity is tied to where, where are you going to play? What yes. level? And if I'm not playing, I'm not getting those opportunities. And the one thing I'll add to that is, you know, kids, it's, a, it's, if you're not on the varsity team, you're not anything. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, that's just, you know, oh, I, I made varsity. Well, then, okay. But I've gotten, I've gotten through the years so many times. A kid makes varsity but doesn't get playing time and, you know, just pinholes the culture. Pinholes the culture day in and day out, you know, talks talking down, talks, talking down to the coaching staff or, oh, you know, Coach Salas doesn't like me. You know, he plays favorites. Yeah, I do. You're right. My favorites are the the best players. No, That's right. Kidding. Yeah, right. No, you know, I do play favorites. The <laughs> yeah. kids that show up on time that play, that oh. compete. Yeah, those are my favorites. Adhere to rules. Wow. Uh, we have a question. <laughs> so this is Gary Fung. Gary, yeah. Gary Fung says this. The only thing that matters in club soccer is showcase and invite ID camps. Nothing elite matters because of the end of the day. It's about exposure these days with NWSL scouting at showcase. So I, I, <laughs> it, the showcase is, I yeah. saw, I saw one just recently. And again, I'm I not, was, to, uh, not to completely rip on, on club soccer, but they had a showcase that was college. You ready for this? Yes. And junior. Wait, what? It said junior. It was a junior show. What? I don't know. A junior what showcase? A junior showcase. So what are we showcasing? Less, so junior <laughs> colleges come? There was U6 showcase. Yeah. <laughs> so I, right. I, I was at. If they're old enough to wear shin guards, they can be recruited. I, I was at the RSL ID camp. Mm -hmm. So they, they're brilliant. So they did, a R, they did an RSL um, tournament. Right. So these kids are playing four games on a weekend. And then they could pay an extra $100 to be part of their ID camp. They got 200 players. Stop it. 200 from Stop the tournament. It. Stop it. To, to go there. Now, th th it was organized uh, very brilliantly. They had all these coaches from 
all over these universities, some junior colleges and stuff, and they uh, rotated them to be coached by these coaches as if they were being seen. And they're not seeing anything. It, like, I, I went to show my face to look yeah. at play, and you can't see anything. I'm like, what am I looking at? Um, you know, like, uh, they're doing a drill. But the amount how many, of – How many fields? It was outreach 11. It was – one, two, three. They had like six fields going. Okay, okay, fair. And it, it was very organized, great-looking camp. I don't know if anyone got better, but they got exposure to what it would be. If they're paying to be to get a reality check of like or, or getting uh, a experience of what a university train session would be, which is kind of what your club coach would do because they're all A-licensed, um, I, I I guess that's great, but that was a lot of money. They killed. I'm like two hundred times hundred. That's twenty you know, twenty thousand. I'm like wow, smart, that's smart. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start doing that. Just yeah. I'm gonna do a three v three tournament, and then I'm gonna do a college showcase there you for go. an extra ten dollars. I don't know. It, it's crazy the the amount of money that's spent. The, the that. marketing. I think there's a marketing genius that goes into the club soccer. And like I said, oh. I think it, what's what I realized, you know, with my son who plays U10 um, club soccer is that over the, just as this is his first year doing club soccer, we waited as long as we could, but um, it's like, <laughs> it's like the mafia of one club says, Hey, I'll run a tournament. If you get into my tournament and I'll get a tournament if you run it. And so you're playing the same teams at every tournament, but oh. yet you've got four tournaments. <laughs> it, it's, it's, you know, and then, you know, you're at this legacy place out in, in, uh, in Mesa where you're, you know, you're paying $6 a pop just to watch your kid play soccer. Every time you walk through the gates, oh. what, are, what are we doing? And, and, and the cost to just get there from Avondale where I'm oh. coming from. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's they're they're always packaging something together to say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna showcase you to play at the next level. You're gonna get all the." I, I had a coach. I kid you not, a friend of mine. He was. He said, "Hey, how come you don't move my son Jack, who's a high level player? Um, why don't you take him from Excel and move him to another club where um, he'll get more exposure, so he can get more university looks?" I'm like, "No." So you want me to pay? A lot more money to be seen and get looks by other university coaches to offer him a spot so he can pay even more money to go. And I'm like, my son is going to play at Phoenix College or the Air Force. It's going to be free. I'm not paying anything. I'm like, you'll get enough at Phoenix College. But for to pay money to Get to go on Instagram and and basically say uh, hashtag blessed. My, my, yeah, my my son got <laughs> recruited by these uh, universe. I mean, th everyone will pay thousands upon thousands of dollars to just post on Instagram. My son is signed with whatever. Okay, it doesn't. Congrats. Congrats. It doesn't bring happiness. Am I? That, and that's and and I think one of the funniest things is I always. I've always said to the kids that actually go on to play college um, uh, from Corona is like, like that's, that's nice. But do you realize how hard it gets from now? Do you realize the next step? Because now again, and I, I, you know, you being a college coach, 
if if your program stunk, how long stunk? How long would Phoenix College keep you? Not very long, especially if you're at one of these other schools where you know these these whether it be NAIA division division one, like you you can't be a stinker, and so that coach is recruiting you, and you're vital for keeping his family in that house, making sure that his kids don't have to change schools next year because dad got fired and you think it's, you think it's pressure now. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. and, 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 you know, and fortunately for me, um, it, it's not as cutthroat as it would be. It's a division one school, but yeah, are they going to, are these coaches really going to be like helping you out or they're going to help himself and or herself and their family? they're going to choose their family over every day. Yeah. So every day you're, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt over there. Um, so in your experience, what, yeah. what are, what are some of the most common mistakes that high school soccer players make and how can they be avoided? Oh boy. Good question, coach. I think common mistakes that they make is pigeonholing themselves into a position pigeonholing themselves into um, and I, and I just experienced it quite a bit this year. Um, and that is pigeonholing their mentality into I've had the same club coach or I've been in the same club for uh, five years and they say, well, I've got a, I play in a really, I played a really good club team coach. And this is, this is how we play. We should do this in high school. Well, that's great, but we're not your club, right? And there's so many more dynamics that you're not considering that go into the coach's day in, day in and day out decision. And so that's great that you can play that way, that style, you know, that formation. You know, I always, that's another whole topic. But this, but we get to a point where kids, they make the mistake of not staying open-minded to so much more that they can learn. The game, the game is so vast. The game is, and it's grown so much. Again, we talk about technology, Dave. You and I grew up where maybe we had VHS tapes of like Golay, you know. <laughs> can, can you explain VHS tapes? Because I don't think anyone knows what that is. <laughs> you know, we, we grew up where it was like, man, oh, let me borrow that cassette. And you watched it over and over again. It was like the story of the 1982 World Cup, you know. And that was like what we watched and because there wasn't a lot of soccer on. But nowadays it's like the ability for these kids to have the imagination, the ability for these kids to just – I want to see something and and the technology that, you know, TV uses to explain the tactics and it's, it's incredible. But what I think that these kids don't do enough, watch soccer, number one, pigeonhole themselves into a position like this is, this is my position. And then number three is not keeping an open mind to how many other thoughts, ideas, um, um, uh, ways you can play this game. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and a lot of it has to be about being technical of the game and truly loving the game, ha wanting the ball. A lot of kids don't like to have the ball. They want They rather run on a big field versus uh, have the ball to be able to solve problems. But that's a whole other thing. But you're, you're right. It, be open to the game because everyone's going to uh, look at Ryan Flood, top goal scorer from Corona. Yeah. Uh, killed it, scoring 30-plus goals a year or whatever right. it was. And now he's a right back. And now he's center mid. But he was technical. Well, 
Yeah, and again, like I, I, I brought into this past year at Corona, I, 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 you know, we didn't, we didn't experience success for. I mean, it's been a, it's been a while since Flood's team. You know, twenty twenty, the class of twenty twenty was great. It was one of the most enjoyable group of kids I've coached. Um, and then it's kind of been sprinkled in talent here and there since then. Um, but the one thing I, I truly tried to drop on the kids this year was, you know, they were so, they were so hell bent on how many, how many are we going to play in the back this year? How many are you going to play in the front this year? And then again, the whole idea of, you know, the, the matter in which you play and how you play is more important than any formation. And you say, well, where, how, what, how do you guys like to defend? Where's the ball? Who's, yeah. I mean, who's their best player? So it's, it's, there's so many things that go into that, but kids will think, oh, if we're, playing, if we're playing four in the back, it's better. Oh, if we play three in the back. How about you just understand the principles of the game first, and then it doesn't matter where, where's the ball? The game, the game is fluid, and, yeah, it, it, and I know exactly what you're talking about. With, it, it, I get that question all the time. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is the best players find a way. Always. So, so you, you just got to problem solve. Yep. I, you'll find a way if you're, if you're thinking about the game. It's, it's like, do you have the ball? If you have the ball, can you score? You can't score. Can you get someone that can score? If you can't do that, can you just pass it to a teammate and start over? I mean, the game is fluid. Yeah. Space. It, Space it, is key. And Space is king. Space and time. Um, <laughs> so here... I have, we have a question from yeah. uh, Mr. Van Vliet, Tom Uh-oh. Van Vliet. Um, well, I, I, he, is, is yeah, it? times time. He says times have changed. We we used to be able to play soccer, baseball, basketball, etc. Now you have to choose one sport, play a club all year round, and school season during the uh, during and between club season. And he goes on to say, plus coaches camps otherwise it's impossible to get scholarships which is the goal burns kids out and costs parents a fortune all on a hopeless goal and he he says uh i love soccer because i had other sports mixed in my life to compare and it kept it fun uh what are your thoughts on multi-sport athlete uh i love it um i would say and kids, kids don't believe this, but I would say growing up, soccer was probably my second or third best sport. And so it was constantly playing, constantly playing everything, everything, competing and everything. And again, I don't think it's about, I truly, I don't think it's about, and I think, you, you know, you had, you had asked me, you know, previously about like what, um, what makes it special or what do you think kids could, you know, work on the most? I don't think it's, I don't think it's skill. I think it's competitive drive. I think it's, it's the ability to be, to problem solve and be competitive. And if you're competitive playing pickup basketball or you're competitive playing volleyball, badminton, you know, baseball, whatever it may be like, and again, good coaches, they see kids and they just want to compete. I want competitors as a coach. I want a kid that's coachable and I want a kid that just, he's a gamer. He shows up and he just wants to play a game. He wants to win the game. Uh, and I, I think uh, in addition to that is it's not a coach. It's not a club. 
Uh, it's it's about culture. It's about loving the game. Are you, you watching the game? Are you playing the game? Like, do, do you have to be told what to do? Do you have to play with a club to actually touch the ball? Or are you actually playing in your backyard? Like, I have a soccer field in my backyard. I created <laughs> a league that. for my, my son. And the one smart thing I did with my son, I put him on Tuzos. Um, for four years, he was with Tuzos. And they indoctrinated him to love the game. Because not only was it a game, uh, it they would play on Friday nights in, in a legal league with uh, parents who created teams from the their team with other teams, which I'm sure is completely illegal. But we did it anyways. They had tacos out till midnight, and it was unbelievable exposure for him because he learned to love the game. It's yeah. a different level. And and again, just if if the other thing about that is you know when uh, the the last question or you questioned me uh, the about multiple sports, I think club soccer just monopolizes your time, your money, and they make you feel guilty. I've got a good friend. They have to. Uh, They have to. And I've got a good friend. You know, we we spoke this past week, and he goes, oh, yeah, my my son's got, you know, four games this coming weekend. Well, why? Why? Well, because if he doesn't play, then what? Then what? And, again, he he asked me, he goes, well, when your son plays – what are you? What would you say? I would say, maybe my son might only play one game a day, and because you're going to go on Tuesday and you're going to have practice on Tuesday, you played four games. If we're talking U16, U17, and they play four games in a weekend, what are we doing until at least next Wednesday? Stop it! Those bodies are getting beat up. Not only that, but and here's something to think about. And you're driving from. Fear oh. Farm to Mesa to Reach Eleven, and it, they don't care. No, they, no, they're they're always trying to find something to justify what they're going to charge you. But um, <laughs> it it's it, it is a scam, and the good thing is there's always new families coming up. Yes, don't know the scam. Yes, and, it's and perpetual. Pa- parents figure it out. They eventually figure it out. But by the time they figure it out, their kids are gone. Um, but to to the multiple games. So I have a different thought on this. If if you're if you're playing, say, four games on a weekend, I mean, I, we played five, six games back in the day, um, and it's with a club that you have to win and all this stuff and, and the pressure of being yelled at and all that stuff. That's versus, different. That's versus, different. Yeah, it's a different different level of, like, too much. Uh, mentally, it'll mess you up. But if they choose to do it, if they're playing, say, like the Hispanic kids that get PC, they're, like, crazy high level. Because they have more time. They play in like six different 6v6 leagues. They play in 11v11. They play like crazy. And I'll tell you a quick story. So I I scheduled a game against Grand Canyon University. And it was Shellis's, I think, uh, last year going in. But we're playing right before COVID hit. Okay. So it was February, right before we got shut down. And we're playing uh, GCU at GCU. And... Um, we show up. We haven't practiced at all. We just, I got, Get we didn't have a together. field. They've been training for a month, and it's just very organized. Their staff is, like, worth a quarter million dollars, if not more. They have trainers. It's me and Coach Carmen. We show up, and um, we just, like, bring, we bring our uniforms to the parking lot. They're changing the parking lot. We show up, and and I kid you not, this is what I said. Here, here was my uh, uh, speech to my guys because I knew who they were. I, I told my guys, I'm like, listen, you have played more soccer than every one of them over there by far. 
I, I know that. I'm telling this like weeks before because we knew we had the game. But we didn't have time. We never trained together. We, sure. we, weight room, futsal. That's all we had because we didn't have facilities at the time. Um, I tell them, I'm like, I got to be careful how I say this. Um, I'll just say this. Be you, and I'll tell you what I really said after the show. <laughs> be you, <laughs> and good luck. And and I left. I didn't say a word. And we have the – we're just killing, embarrassing them on their field. Where I was getting nervous, like, oh, Shellis is going to get fired. I'm like, it's like boom, 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 all over. We're up 2-0 at half. And Shellis is ripping on. Fuming. Oh, yeah. It's not acceptable. But we're good. And and I know the talent we have. We have hardcore talent. Where our kids were playing in 6v6 tur- uh, games, the night before that game, when they're resting up for a game, my guys won't stop. It was a unique group, by the way. And it, we ended up tying 2-2. We got a red card. Um but we should have still won by like four. It was unbelievable. We played unbelievable. And it was the difference of not tactics, not coaching or anything. It was about time uh, t- situationals. Like they, they played so many games by their choice, not forced to or paying to. Yes. And they have a huge advantage. The, the, the population I deal with, the Hispanic community, Huge advantage. They watch the game more than them. They play the game more than they've ever done. So they can, if you let them be them, problem solve versus uh, versus structure. I need three in the back. I need what's the formation? I'm like, just be you and 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 tear it up. But there's a lot of confusion of who wins games. It's not the coach. A coach can manage the situation, but players win. Yeah, absolutely. So we do have a question. Yeah. Um. So Gary Fung again, he says, freshmen are too risky and burning out and quitting after the first season, sitting on the bench so college coaches and recruiters look at D2 and NAIA top players. Um, they're less risky to transfer. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a movement going on. So, you know, the, the question is really, like, how many kids have you noticed that went on to university then came home right away? Have you seen that a lot? Seventy-five percent. Wow. Let leave. Just are they? They just can't do it. Wow. Why? Yeah. Why, why do you think that is? Um, I think we talk about expectations and pressure. Um, expectations, pressure, of of again, I I, I laugh to that. You know, you go to in, at your high schools, you got this like signing day, and they do this pomp and circumstance of you know. You know, oh, you've you've done it. You've arrived, and it's like that's no. There's so much more to do still. There's so much more to 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 gain and to 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 build and develop. And they get to being recruited is fun. You know, having a conversation with a coach that all he wants is you, but they don't realize there's a there's there's twelve other kids he's having that conversation with. You know, yeah. and when they get on campus. You know, you whether if it's Division One or NAIA, you know, you there's what? How would you say? How many would you say you bring in on an average freshman into? Do would you say maybe eight to twelve or more? Um, it right now we're it's like fifteen to twenty every okay. year. Okay, okay, even a lot. even more. So there you go. So you're talking fifteen to twenty, and you like. They get there and they're like, oh my gosh. And I guarantee every one of those 15 to 20 can put the ball on the ground and play. And then now it comes down to, again, what you just said. 
how many love the game. And I've always asked this, you know, with, with uh, my high school kids, when you say, hey, do you want to have, do you, would you like to play in college? And if they hesitate, they're not going to make it. No. Because if you get a kid that's like, hell yeah, I want to play in college, like immediately, it's such a grind. It's so, and again, but because you're going to be around animals that love to play the game. And they, they exist. And I, they I, exist, I, man. I didn't have parents push me. So they didn't even want me playing soccer. They wanted me doing football. Yeah. My dad didn't never came to a game until I started playing pro. <laughs> like, he hated soccer that much. <laughs> but I made the decision. Here's another question. Go ahead. Um, let's see. My question is, is it possible to go to the next level, say, from high school to college, if you are spreading your time between three or four sports or do they need to commit to one sport? Interesting question. Um, you want me to take that one? It's up to you. All right. So, uh, um, uh, it, it. I think the multi multi athlete, and they talk about the NFL. All of them are like three sport athletes. Different it, athletes. If you're a super athlete, if you can play in the NFL, and you're a super athlete, the reason they play three four sports is because every high school coach is begging them to play for them, and they're like, okay, I'll do it. And uh, NFL is a little different. I mean, you can jump out of the pool and make the draft, so whatever. You just got to be really crazy athletic. But as far as soccer goes, um, unless you're an athlete, if you're not an athlete, you might want to stick with soccer and just make it be the most technical player in the world. Um, I believe in, like, uh, if you're going to do multi-athlete, you do things that mirror what you want to do. Now, if you don't want to do it, I get it. But you're like, I want to go Division One soccer or professional. Okay, so you do soccer, maybe track and field to build up endurance or, or sure. question. That, that'll match it up a little bit. Um, uh, Jiu-jitsu or karate or, or some discipline, um, uh, something that will help you with uh, the mental side. Uh, very specific, but um, – you you got to be careful how much you you go around because you have the academic side too that you had to spend a lot of time on. So um, it it depends what you you're choosing here. So uh, I I don't know what the answer is. I was a multi sport athlete. Yeah. Um, but I was one of the top athletes in my school. Yeah. And, no, I th I I think you're right. Yeah, you made a good point when if you're if you're not very well, I mean it's hard to be an athlete if you're not athletic. Um, <laughs> yeah. If 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 you're if you're an athlete and you're not really great, let's think about this. Let's say you know you have a a twelve year old, and there's that almost like that critical point. I think with kids, if you're you know you're twelve, thirteen, maybe even fourteen, you get right into high school, and if you're really not that good at another sport, maybe you do want to consider saying, hey, you know what, that sport has got to me to where I am otherwise, but I'm going to stop that so I can now focus on, and I guarantee you've developed some pretty good muscles in your body from that other activity, from that oh, other yeah. sport, and that's got to it. Now, all of a sudden, I think you can really grow if you choose just to play one or two, and I don't think you necessarily have to, you know, uh, single, you know, I got, no, I can only play one sport now in high school. My yeah. coach, My coach won't let me play other sports. Yeah, and ultimately, I think uh, kids 
are always choosing. We would like to see the parents are like dictating everything. Yeah, your kids will eventually figure out what they want to do, and they'll manipulate you to the point like, don't date her. He's dating her. Um, so <laughs> it's more of let your kids be kids. If they choose it, support them. But if they're not, and they're not, if they're not driven internally, yeah, they'll never make it. Like no. you said, you have to. Like, I made a decision a long time ago. I wrote myself a letter in high school. I was going to play for the Arizona Sand Sharks. Yeah, I, I, I wrote it down, and uh, I got that letter five years later, and I was playing with the Arizona Sand Sharks. But I made that decision. No one made that for me. Right. And I, I made a letter. I would. I wouldn't tell anybody. I, I was going to play for the Sand Sharks. Were freaking fun to watch. At the, uh, I went to a game at the the whatever arena they call it now where the Suns the, play. Oh, okay. Uh, they, did they play? Did they play at the Coliseum? No, the, the Thunder. Sharks? The Thunder did. Okay. The Sand Sharks played where the Suns play. Okay. Um, and then, long story short, uh, uh, Macintosh punched um, uh, one of the owner's sons. What's his name? Um, Jerry Colangelo's son, okay. Brian. Punched Brian. He was trying to break up a fight. We're in a fight under underground and hit Brian Colangelo and the nose broke it and then Sand Sharks were sold to the sports group right away and peace out. Yeah, Call Sam, here we come. That's it. <laughs> Madhouse McDowell. Um yeah, it's a question. Go ahead. Uh this my uh, thoughts on ECNL versus GA happening. Um I I don't know much about it because I don't play I so, rip on it. Yeah, I rip on it. So I from from the little that I do know, um, I th- I think it was it, ECNL and GA are are like cousins. They're the same level, but some teams, some clubs decided we're not going to do ECNL. We're going to do this, it, so but they're basically the same G- level. GA is Girls Academy. Is that what it is? I don't know. I think G- ECNL was known oh, okay. to be the top girls and then GA. And correct us wrong if we're wrong. What is GA? That's Girls Academy, I, I'm maybe. assuming. And then so, there's what was the, what was the other one? It was a DA. Oh, DA, which is no longer. Okay. And then so there's ECNL and then what's the other one? There's two different that are the same. I know there are because I had kids on this high school team. So get, I play ECNL and get, I play this. And they were the same thing, but they don't play against each other because again they the the mafia heads I'm sorry the club heads couldn't uh, agree on like a cost at breakdown I'm just kidding I don't know yeah girls you know academy what I mean? is what sorts uh, replace DA so um, but it's more of the girl side uh, so the for me I think every state's different I think Arizona is just jacked up <laughs> it's like there's so much divide here oh you know though and isn't it isn't it funny isn't it funny how um, you, through the years, and I've been here since 2003, and what I've realized, it's, it's like the same, the same figures just kind of like repurpose themselves and start a new club. Yeah. And it's gone from this club to this club to this club, but it's the same, same people. It's the same, like Godfather. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, they get running it, they get, they get found out and yes. then they have to change their identity into another club or they go into a new league or whatever um it, it never ends it, it's just kind of like the um so us club came in and took like half the state away from asa okay uh, you know jonathan Berzin's? Berzin, yeah. yeah 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 
So, um, so Jonathan, he was got, at he was at Highland High School yes. in Chandler Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was my athletic director here for a moment. Then he went to Fort Lewis. Okay, um, and now he lives in Prescott. Okay, uh, or Flag, one of the two. I think Flagstaff. Uh, he became the like CEO of of club soccer for U.S. Club. Okay. And they just took everybody, like all the elite clubs. Everyone was trying to get into it because they're just taking everybody. And ASA was dwindling to nothing. And then what does ASA do? They hired Jonathan Berzins. Oh, geez. For a six-figure contract and brought him over to ASA. So now everyone's coming back because it was all over scheduling, really. And, and Jonathan's a good administrator, and, and he's getting that done. But it's comical. Like, it's good stuff for my podcast. Not for the kids or the families, but good for me. Um, but, yeah, it's nuts. So they bought him. And uh, so he's uh, doing that. And now there's it just everyone's separated. But now, because of the divide, they can recruit players and right. borrow them and right. all this What's stuff. What's the common denominator, you think? Money. <laughs> Did you see? It's, it's always money. That's right. Which is fine. Which is fine. I get there's so just everyone gets confused about me. Like, oh, you're against, you know, I'm not against. And I want to get paid. And I want to get, I want, if I can, if I can jump on there too. Here's, here's what I want to say. I think, I think there are some really, really unbelievably good coaches out there, coach. And I think there are some gentlemen that are so, they've got virtue they've got you know uh, they've got character they're in it because they truly like the kids you know and 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 those are the ones that make the biggest impact those are the ones you I'll pay money for that guy you know um in in fact my my son played um um uh, excel soccer and he was with this guy and I think he was fantastic his name's John Tucker um works with RSL and I thought he cared so much more about the boys. That he had extra practices. Hey, hey, guys, we'll do this. He did so much more for himself. But, and here's what I will say: there, for all of the 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 money makers out there, there's really good coaches. Right. There's really good coaches, and the and I'll and I'll clear this up, and I'll say this: what I don't understand about club soccer is this: is the is the uh, the, like the financial breakdown. So if if you're playing U14 and let's say you're a really popular club and you get enough players to make three teams, why are we having three teams? Just have two because that third team is playing just as much as a first team. Are you getting a good coach for the third team? Or are you getting a young kid just starting out? Yeah. But we got to give him a team. Why? Because that's money. Why not just tell those why not just tell those 13 14 15 kids, "Hey, listen. Give them an option. We're going to we're going to keep you in the club because I know you want to do that, but we're going to treat it as if, hey, you know what? It's more of a recreational. You want to play on this? You didn't make the competitive teams. You made this team. And this team is going to be for kids that just maybe they just want to play. I want to I want to continue playing so I can make my high school team. But not charging and going to tournaments and making these kids feel like and the parents feel like, oh, my kid plays club soccer and he's all good. You make two good points. One, um, the the uh, uh, it's it's watered down far as competition and multiple teams and all that stuff. We're, we're, we don't compete anymore, right? Uh, at all, um, and competition's gone. But what what isn't um, gone is good coaching. It's just not. It's never pick a club. 
pick a coach because the coaches are scattered everywhere. You know, the, there's some good coaches in every club, but there's a lot of bad ones too. And you don't pick a club. You have to pick the coach because you, you might get a goofy one. I'd rather have my child play on a third-level team with a good coach. And I, that's, that's exactly what John Tucker was. This, this guy, he was, he's an older gentleman, probably been around the game his whole life. And he, he just, you know, you get there and you get the classic, the classic club coach where there's, there's two fields, six teams. <laughs> there's six teams on two fields and there's six coaches talking to each other. Oh, it, did, did like, you, what do we, what, what, and I, what, do, what, what am I, what am I paying for? I'm not paying for you to hang out with your buddy for the next 10 minutes. You know, I'm, you should be coaching. You should be coaching with your hair on fire, making sure every one of those kids is, is, you're, is worth, you're giving them their money's worth. That's actually a great that's, point. That's it, it, if, man. if you want a good coach, find that coach is committed to one team versus, oh, I need like three or four teams to make a living. It's, it's a problem. Um, <laughs> That's another whole podcast, right? Yeah, no, it's endless material right now. Uh, did you did you have a chance to listen to the podcast where I had a uh, Bo Byerly on and he talked about contact time? I know I did. Oh, you got to listen to that yeah. one. Oh, it's one of my most commented and emailed like want more information on it. Yeah, he did this whole um, simple math about how much you're paying for your club and how much time they're giving to you. Practices and games, and, and not mind you, if the coach was even there. But what what's the club providing you? Some clubs are it's like forty five bucks an hour for contact time. So, some are like fifty five, thirty five, um, and then some are like seven dollars an hour for contact wow. time. And 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 that's not including traveling to tournaments no, or anything no, like that. No. Um, yeah, it, it's it's scary. Like, what if if the parents really did the math? I'm like, what am I paying for? Where, you, like you said, you're at a field. Like the, the coaches are goofing around here. I'm paying fifty bucks an hour for you guys. And the and and again, you know, whether fits. And I've gone to, um, you know, if you're de- depending upon what club you're going to go to practice for for your kid, you could see multiple ages at those fields. And when you're at those fields, the one thing perhaps that I'm not, I'm not getting is if you're going to practice, practice with purpose, or if the kids are just, you know, if the younger, the kids are, when they get there, you know how you get, you have the goal set up. And as the kids arrive, you know, you you throw a penny on and you play on this team. And it just gets that, that, that act active out of the kids. Um, but as you get older, you want to have a little bit more purpose to what we're doing. And too often, you know, I think I've seen where, you know, the coach will play, you know, eight on eight, seven on seven. And what I don't understand is that he's, even if the objective of the practice is to find the Y channels, right? But he's still allowing bad technique, He's still allowing poor communication. He's still a lot. I mean, it goes on. I'm like, how, why are we not addressing? Aren't those more important than finding the damn Y channels? Stop it and say, well, no, no, we can't get here. But you know what? And I've always realized this too. Could you imagine if you're paying all this money and your kid comes home and says, practice was boring. 
Well, yeah, it's going to be boring. It's There's going to be those days. But you have to get yeah. there. Uh, so I, I fight with my son about this. So I'm coaching, and I got drug into it because I've been out at club soccer for like eight years, yeah. nine years. It might have been longer. But I'm like, I lost sleep. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And I'm like, I couldn't sleep. Like, I was messed up. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, and I'm coaching for free. I'm like, I don't want any money. Now I wish I took money because the amount of time talking to these parents <laughs> and stuff, I want, I want, I want to get paid. Right. I believe in getting paid for your freaking time. Right. Jeez Louise. So my son, we, I do, I do technical work. I, I just ball dribbling. And, and I'm just, and they hate it. They're like, we want to just play. I get it. We'll get to that. You're going to love me later. That's right. But we're going to we're gonna get to work. And, man, it's just like go, 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 go. And I'm teaching them all this different movement and all this stuff to balance therapy. Just just Because if you're not scared to have the ball in your foot, tactics is easy. If you're scared to have the ball because your first touch sucks. I, I grew up that way. I, I, I My touch was horrible. I didn't want the ball on my feet. Kick in the space. I was the athlete. Right. I can, I can deal with that. I learned all my technique in my 30s. Because I was teaching it, and right? Like, and then, right. and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I like soccer now. I yeah. never like soccer. Well, and again, and again, you 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 think about how many, and again, I I, I I used to get so frustrated with the high school kids because you get these kids that are like, no, I play on a really good club team, and you're on a you're on a really good club team, but you don't know how to use your left foot. You don't. You don't like you don't understand when it takes when to take someone one on one and when to just pass the ball. It's just it's, there's so much there's so much going on and then they're fighting every every time the ball gets to their feet it's it's, it's an adventure. You know, yeah. it's it's an adventure. Yeah. And it should be it should be you should be able to get to what maybe 14 to where you can consistently know how to make a 10-yard pass. And and it's no, an adventure sometimes. No, no drill can replicate that because other than the game like if the kids are playing on the streets which it does exist believe it or not yes um it, it it's like skateboarding and bikers they get together because they love it yes they, they have to love it um question yeah. th- this is a uh, interesting question in your opinion is taking your kid out of public high school soccer to go to a private spain method methodology school slash soccer academy overly Eccentric if your kids is asking for it. So they're asking, would it be okay to send your kid to Spain to play in a soccer culture and, and learn? Kind of, kind of like um, uh, there was a school of soccer in Bolivia uh, called, um, oh, shoot, um, Taiwichi. Okay. Taiwichi. Uh, we actually played them in Dallas Cup. I played for Cisco, and we're the state champions. We got in the super group, and we're playing Taiwichi, which is a school of soccer. We're a lot. They send Americans over there to go. It's everything soccer. Five days a week, you do school, P soccer. It's soccer after school. You're, right. They're doing soccer seven days a week. It's crazy, and we play them, and they they won Dallas Cup like three years in a row. We're playing them. We're in their same group. We get smashed ten zero. Luckily, luckily, I didn't touch the ball once. <laughs> uh, not once. I was so frustrated. These little Thai Bolivians, I, I was just trying to kick them. I was so mad. Yeah. I almost quit soccer after that. I'm like, I cannot compete. <laughs> how, old, how old were you? It was U19. Oh. <laughs> Super group. Oh, it, Lord. We didn't play one American team. Oh, man. It, and we had Taiwichi. It, it, and to d- address a question. Yeah. If your kid's asking for it, like, what are your thoughts on 
taking your kid and sending them to Spain to a school if they really wanted it. You know what? If number one, you could afford it. Why not? Why not? The the worst thing that can happen is the kid goes, I hate it. I got to come home. Mom, dad. Right. Or you go with your kid. Yeah. And the worst thing that happens, you come home. Again, I, I, I think, (laughs) <laughs> I mean, again, coach, imagine your 16, 17 year old self. And if your dad would have asked, Hey, if you're interested, I'll take you to Spain. I would go. But oh, wait a second. Let me get I, my bag. Yeah. It, and for, it, every decision you make is it's, it's a decision. Obviously family and happiness is number one, but those little, uh, those experiences, if you're capable, I think that's a, not you know, a bad idea. I listened to an interview. I think it was Jesse Marsh was with Tim Howard. And he had said, uh, Tim Howard asked him, hey, you know, you've had, you've had all this experience around the world. You know, what's your biggest takeaway as, you know, how, how do you apply all your experiences to your job at Leeds? And Jesse said, what amazed him the most is when you go to each country, what they value about the game is different. So he was just saying, you know, when you were, you, you're, he said when he coached in Germany, you know, at Germany, they, they don't even play, they don't even play 11 v 11 until they're like 14. Oh yeah. It's so, so like what they value is possession. And then, you know, he goes, well, you go over to, uh, you know, to England and he goes, all they want to do is play fast, play physical. Like, so he, but, but again, going on to this person's question, I think there's value in the perspective of what that's going to give you so that you can bring it back to whatever you're doing here in the States. I mean, if you're going to stay in the States and maybe go to college and that's what maybe you're working for, or you stay in Spain and keep playing. But I think there's a whole different perspective that you can gain from that. Yeah. And, and ultimately like my, my daughter played, uh, played a, uh, Millennium High School. We didn't. We pulled out a club. She played on several club teams, but guest play. And I just had her training um, at Millennium. And her senior year, she got um, an offer from Seattle U. We turned it down because we're not paying for flipping school. Okay. And then they gave her a second offer, and we said no. We're not because sixty five thousand dollars. Seattle U. Yeah. Yeah. So then on spring break of her senior year. She gets an offer where everything's paid for, except for a food card. I'm like, we'll be paying that here. So we, we, we took it. And the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, my daughter, I'm like, I just want her to be happy. This something, you know, because the pressure, they yeah. have to, we'll have to go signing date and all that crap. And I just wanted her to come here because I know the level, I know she would kill it. Right. And she would enjoy it, but the Instagram posts and all that. Anyways, so <laughs> m- my daughter, my daughter goes to Seattle U, and there's like a big freshman class, twelve, I think twelve freshmen. It's about right. Yeah, I mean the 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 first night, all of them were like, "Let's go get IDs so they could drink," and my my daughter doesn't drink, and right, she loves soccer. She's indoctrinated. So like she loves it. Yeah. Um, and so she would train on her own. She would train with the boys, you know, anything to, to play around the ball. And the girls would not, they don't want to play. They don't want to do pickup. They hate it. 
they hate the game. They don't like it. it it's a very strange thing. And it, and it is kind of like how soccer is for girls. It's just like get, get the ball wide, serve it down the line, cross it in, go through them, all that. It's a very violent game on the girls' side. And yeah. that's why they're number two in all sports for concussions because it's violent. <laughs> um, but um, she, she stayed there two years. COVID hit. Okay. And then she's like, I want out. She want get, get out of there. Um, so she in a BYU Idaho and she d- didn't like soccer anymore because it's the same mentality. It's, it's all cutthroat. Yes. It's all, it's not fun. Uh, you don't get to touch the ball. Um, but the one thing I do love, and this is to answer the question of, you know, what are we doing for our kids? Yep. My, my daughter is crazy technical. She still plays today. So when she was, uh, she was about to graduate in April from BYU, she was, um, she played in co-ed leagues and, she had this little fan base of Brazilians that would call her in uh, Portuguese um, female uh, Messi. Yeah. And I remember when she told me that, you know, she just so grateful just to be able to play. She just loved showcasing her ability, but she's so placed today. Yeah. Pick up and leagues. And I did my job. So parents, if, if you want your kid to be successful in the game, if you want to change the game in America – indoctrinate your kids in the game make the have them love the game and forever I, yeah you know i think i think it was really special um for me and the kids at the high school this past year having the world cup during school oh yeah and i and, and i had i i thoroughly enjoyed myself um not only that but um you know the players we had a we at corona we have a, a soccer class and so there's a freshman soccer, and then there's the advanced soccer with the upperclassmen. And so it was amazing because the second kind of the second run of games was right at the start of our classes. And so the, the freshmen would watch the, the first half of a game, and then it'd be, you know, the advance would come in. But when we're talking about show them love for the game, I think, you know, just, just us talking more about it, watching it, and most importantly, my son would come home, and he was—he's a huge Mbappe fan. He thinks Mbappe is the the funnest player to watch, right? So I—I'll do—I don't want to argue with him and tell him like, well, you know, like Mbappe is not my favorite player, but I wanted to just like, hey, did you watch Mbappe today? He's like, when's France playing? So just letting your kid figure out who they like, and then fostering that, push them towards that, and just having, I've had so much fun over the last, oh my gosh, since since the World Cup, my, my youngest son comes in every day and come home from school and go, are there any highlights on, Dad? And it's whether if it's the ESPN Plus or uh, um, Fox or, or we, it's Paramount, not Paramount, what is it? Uh, is it Paramount? With Champ- with, oh, Champions Paramount, League, Paramount. With Champions yep. League. So he comes home and he's like, you want to watch highlights? And so, uh, of course I do, of course I do. And so, you know, if there's any parents out there you know, we've got so many leagues that we can watch now and, and have your kid, you know, just pick a game, pick a yeah. team. And like my, my son is like, we're, we're watching Premier League this uh, morning. Oh, oh it, this is what you need to do. This is what I do. I've been doing this for years. So uh, Champions League. Yeah. The semifinals is a weekday. Finals is Saturday. Correct. Um, it's during school. Pull your kid out of school and go to um, go to a, a – a soccer. I, I go to the um, what's it called? Uh, geez, Louise. What's this? Uh, the Georgian Dragon. Georgian Dragon. So I I take my I'll pull my kids out. We'll go 
watch Champions yeah. League semis there. And oh my gosh, because it's packed. You have to get there early. Yeah, yeah. Get fish and chips. And <laughs> and they have screens everywhere. Right, right. And then your kid is like, I just got taken out of school and now I'm at a sports bar eating fish and chips or whatever food right, they like. Right, right. But oh my gosh. And you, it's you, loud. Oh yeah. I, I, I've been doing that forever. I love like, it. it. It's I do it for me. And plus I want to be with my kids. Right. And I know those moments, you know, if you want to indoctrinate your kids, yeah. that's a good indoctrination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I want to talk about Go high ahead. school real, real quick. I, 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 we talked about this a long time ago, um, about facilities, okay. the championship facilities. Oh, let's do it. Yeah, so um, w- high school soccer, we pointed out, is a wonderful experience. It brings a different atmosphere and all that stuff. We do a great job. AIA does a great job of organizing a schedule, and people have chosen high school soccer. They always come back. I remember MLS Next was like, oh, you can do it, and now it's like, okay, now you can because – so many kids want to do it and they'll quit. Um, they, they choose high school because it, it is a great experience. But when we get to championship time, why can't AIA get a better facility? They do it for volleyball. They do it for basketball. They do it for football, um, baseball. I, I know they're in Bank One Ballpark. Yep. Why not soccer? They, they used to. What's what's going on? What are, what are your thoughts on that? I think, you know, I, you know when you and I first – I think that was one of our first conversations we had that's that uh, sparked a, a, a friendship this between peers. And I a hundred percent agree. Like, I don't know why we have, I think GCU is a great field. Yes. I think you, and it, it has atmosphere again. I don't know why we got out of, and I think the excuse we got because they were at ASU women's field mm-hmm. for, for the longest time. And I think what, the, the original reason why we got um, that excuse was that the fields were getting torn up, that they couldn't play so many games on one field. Well, now we have multiple fields in the Phoenix metro area, whether it be GCU, um, I get, whether it's, it could be Phoenix Rising, it could be uh, ASU Women's, but there's multiple venues where I think they create that atmosphere where kids – want to eventually get to that's where I want to play that's where I want to I want to I want to have the dream of walking into GCU Stadium or or feet where Phoenix Rising will play or oh, yeah. I remember that when I first started at Corona and in 2010 when we when we won a state championship that was the first year it was at Camp Overd and I was um, so bummed all those lines I don't know what's and in and what's out I, I, I was so bummed because there's no there's 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 no um ambiance at a high school for a state championship. No, it's, it's just horrible. like you're already, you, you've already been playing games there and they had, and again, I get it. You know, they, they, I don't know why they picked Dobson this year. No, nothing against Dobson. Um, but again, you're, you're playing on a football field. And the parking was difficult. You know, it, you're playing on a football and I just, they don't get the color of the lines, right? You know, like Dobson had gray or blue lines for the soccer field. It's so like, at Corona, it was, it's almost like a disaster because they've got white football lines and they've got gray soccer lines. And the oh 18 the eighteen and the 20-yard line are like a foot and a half apart. And football by rule has to be white. So we lose the white line right away. And, and, and so what I don't understand is like at the high schools, 
because it's it's I, I don't know I don't know who makes the decisions, but why why can't it be the football fields are white? Okay, soccer has to be yellow, and you it'd be a uniform. Just make it. it but it, you know you it, get all these it, colors. It, that and, that is what it is. But championship time. Championship time has got to be on a soccer field. Just doing us uh, on a soccer field at GCU, uh, Phoenix College. We'll, we'll take you. We've had we had state championships sure. back in the day. Shadow Mountain actually won one here. Okay, my brother did. Uh, you know who is lesser of a player than or I was. Mesa Community. But, I, I, no, like, no, 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 not no, Mesa. No. It's a rival. Okay, no, I just kidding. Um, no, but but yeah, it needs to be bigger. It needs it, to be bigger. It, it needs the Rising's now downtown. Correct. And it, it, why can't they play it there? They, they need to push for that. It needs to be a better venue. Now they will say uh, money and stuff like that. That's a lie. That's a lie. It's a lie because I, I talked. I talked to Shellis, and he wanted them. He's like, "We'll do it." And they're like, "No potential rainout. Not not that field. It's sand base. Like it could right. take so much water. It's not a problem." Right. So it it is a problem. And I have another problem right now. My wife's texting me. Go ahead. You when, guys are when, on too when, long. When, she says, "When are you get home?" Well, I, so I make pizza dough, and it's legit. And uh, but. Uh, and it's been fermenting and all that uh, rising, whatever. And, and, and she doesn't know how it worked the pizza. I have a pizza oven. It's beautiful. And she, she's craving it. And, uh, I apologize. She's like, text me, when are you going to be done? Um, it, it's, it's a live show. Yeah. And we'll I'm finish like, I'm, up I'm soon. We'll be home. Uh, I'll be home soon. Mom. Yeah. We'll, we'll be home soon. So, uh, just throw the dough. You've seen it enough. Just turn that thing on. It'll be fun. <laughs> uh, you can use the normal oven too. But, uh, yeah, the, AIA needs to serve a purpose on this point, like create a championship environment. So the, get these kids in stadiums, and it'll help this whole club versus yes. high school thing too. And again, like the whole club versus high school, and let's let's be honest. And I and I, it it disappoints me because I've had a couple of kids over the past years, the past two or three years now, just like no, I'm I'm doing MLS next and. I, again, like we already said it, the, the, the competition is going to be good. You're going to have good coaching. You're going to have good competition. But the experience is not the same. And I've, and I've said this too, like, and this is what I don't get about it. Um, if you were to tell your club coach, your MLS club coach, hey, I'm going to play high school soccer. And they say, no, you can't. And like, I don't, like, when did we, when did we become like contracted pros? And the second part of that is, if you're good enough, you tell your club coach, hey, listen, I really like playing high school. And when I'm done, I'm going to be at practice first thing when you, when you have it. Oh, yeah. They want st- – But they, my point is if you're good – But, coach, if you're good enough, you think they're going to push you away? No. 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 And if you're good enough, you're going to be – you're going to be in college anyway. If you're that good – you're yeah. going to be playing college, whether if you tell your MLS coach it, or and it, your high school it, coach, it, this is what I'm going to you you it, make the choice. These kids, you you know, at an early age, like I know, like a lot of kids that uh, that I've been around that were Division One athletes playing at you know ASU the, on the the women's side and stuff. I knew they were going D one in like eighth grade. I'm oh. like, oh, they're they're talented. More the, club, the, more club wasn't going to make no, them. No, uh, no, no, who they were going to be. No, and I think too, it, it, and again, I I think this is true. So many times, and correct me if I'm wrong, Coach. I think there is a level of, um, not pride, but it's almost this where the parents are like, "Well, my kid plays MLS. Well, my kid, my kids, my kids ECNL, or my kids." That I, I, 
And it's almost like, well, you know, if you, if you decide to play high school, you won't be MLS anymore. That, that's like, not, like it hurts that, the that, parent. That's not how. That's not how. Yeah, exactly. It, that's not how it works. Either you're good or you're not. That, Simple <laughs> as that. <laughs> People so ask, like, what can you show me? I'm like, I, I can't. I'm like, either you're and, good or and, you're not. And you know the other thing too, Coach. You. You have kids, whether if they're in high school, and more, I would say, let's say at the youth level. Let's say you have a freshman, sophomore in high school, uh, 14, 15 years old. I can tell you in the first five minutes if the kid can play or not. Easily. Maybe less than that. Five minutes. And and the thing, like, I, I pride myself, like, when I recruit. I don't go to these college showcases or anything. You know what I do? I call the I call the coach. I call the high school coach. I I I, I like I talk to players. Uh, my number one recruiter at PC are players. I ask the players who are the best players. They know they've seen these kids play, and the thing is, I take a lot of credit of what kind of player they've been for over like five six years. Either they're good or they're not. They were ballers in eighth grade. They're ballers as seniors. Uh, that matters not. Like oh, they had a good tournament. We're, we're going D1. No, I, I measure it over time. That's why I have to ask players, coaches. They tell me who the players are. Then I'll go to a game because I'm just doing my due diligence. Hey, right. I'm recruiting now. Right. I know who I'm recruiting. I never show up to field just like, oh, wow, never. It's soccer. It's it's so like all over the place. There's yeah. so many variables. and. And again, I guess the 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 students, the student athletes that I would get at Corona, um, they 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 struggle sometimes with um, having having the 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 competitiveness over time. And so, like when you say when you say, "Oh, you know, um, within five minutes," yeah, you're right. Within five minutes, we can tell if you play. But the next piece to that is going to be, what's that kid like at practice? Yeah. What's that kid like? or like, hey, what's he what's he like in the locker room? That that those two things are gonna tell you almost how successful they're gonna be. Because when things get harder, if you don't have those two things, those couple of things in place, it, that that next coach is gonna be frustrated beyond belief. And the one thing I never did, if there was a kid that either struggled with um coachability, if there's a kid that struggles with um, his attitude with his other players, like if he's ever big times at kids, that's a problem. That's a problem, man. Yeah, I, you know it. The what's exciting to me, um, is I pride myself on kind of second chance. I I get the kids that aren't MLS next and all that EA because they can't afford it. Um, big time, and I go after the um. Uh, the inner city kids, they're ballers. I had, a, I had a player, Joel Sangua. Sangua is from the African leagues from, um, oh shoot, because we're like one of the top, I think we're number one uh, refugee drop zone in America is Phoenix wow. uh, for Africa. And I found a kid, uh, he's a, he was a senior at Cortez High School. Yeah. Couldn't play right. high school ball because um, because of age or whatever. Anyways, long story short, I get him at PC. He's never... Uh, Never played club or anything like that. Straight from Africa. His family was murdered. And he's living in an apartment with six family members. 
um, two-bedroom household. He now starts for Akron University. Stop it. Center back. So there's a kid, and I don't know if you know this, and if anybody's listening out there, college coaches, there's a kid. Um, um, what's the high school starts with an A, West Side? Um, uh, there's Alhambra. Alhambra. Yeah. Alhambra. Alhambra. We played uh, – Corona hosted a tournament this past uh, winter. Mm-hmm. And Alhambra has a center back in that same position. I, I talk a lot when I coach. He spoke more than I did at center back. And when I talked to him after the game, I said, hey, you're fantastic, man. Like, I don't know, I don't know what you're on, but that's amazing, like, how much he was talking, talking. And unfortunately, I think, you know, the, the coach at Alhambra, he's such a nice guy. Um, he, he was decimated with injury. So, you know, three games in three days, and I think over the course of the year, you're probably dealing with eligibility and all that other stuff. But I'll tell you right now, there's a center back at Alhambra in the same, the same African backstory that you just told me. And I have his phone. I have his phone number here. If you want it, I have it too, right here. <laughs> so I have it. I have it on my list. He's actually, I believe, he's a junior. Oh, is he? No, he's. Uh, I, I thought he, he was senior? a senior. I thought he was a senior. Hold on, I got it. Yeah, right. let's make sure we got the we, see, we got the uh, same guy. On, let me say the name first, so I, I get it right. All right, Alhambra. I have my recruiting list on my on my phone. All right, there's high schools. Like, see, coach, I got I got like. Oh my! There you go. My Excel spreadsheet, spreadsheet right here. Alhambra. Uh, there's number eighteen, and then they're they play Excel. I don't. Uh, I got it. We 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 got dead time here. You want? Right, to, what, what do you got? No, I'm just saying. I'm. I've got a. I I can't. Pull it up. There it is. I got it right here. His name is John Baptista. The wrestler? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, his name is John Bap- Jean Baptista. And it's not coming up. At, at John Baptista N. That's who it is. Jean Baptista. Yeah. So what the flip? Here it is. I can't say this kid's last name to save my life. No way. But yes, same, 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 same. Absol. There's Absalone. It's it's, it's um, Zimbabwe. I can't even pronounce it. There's Kenny Apercio, Nathan That's Flores, it. and Milton Tua. Are you sure he's Alhambra? Yeah, hundred percent. No, 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 no. I know who he is. He's at Alhambra Central. No, this is yes. Alhambra. No way. Coach. African kid. Yeah. Monster. Monster. Where's a headband? He plays for Central. No, this yes. is Al- he played with Alhambra at the beginning I'm of the year. I'm telling you. Well, he's now at Central. No way. I'm telling you, he's Central. How did that happen? Dude, and he and he's he's um he's considered I'll show you after the okay, show, okay. but um, he's considered a, a freshman. He speaks no English, or does this guy speak English? This guy speaks English. All right. I, I, need, yeah. I need to look. I, okay. There's a lot of talent in Phoenix Union. It's yes, crazy. there is. Yes, there is. And a lot of Africans. Yeah. So, um, the, yeah, this African's best player in the Phoenix Union, but he doesn't have enough credits because he just got here. Wow. So he's uh, dealing with it. And uh, anyways, uh, that side tracked it. 
the 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 show a bit but it's back to like yep. either you're good or you're not either you're good or you're you, not you can't pay for it no no yeah i mean you, you i mean to a certain extent but you'll be found out yeah no yeah. you want to play d1 or pro it's not like oh here's the pathway yeah we Path- have a pathway the pathway to pros yeah whatever <laughs> it's crazy but yeah. um I, I need to have you on again yeah i mean this is good um now that I'm kind of centrally located here, but uh, uh, my daughter came back home and she took my podcast room away. But anyways, um, yeah, I got, I got to get home. We'll, yeah. we'll do an earlier podcast because I didn't know it was like an hour and a half already. Was like, it really? We, at least. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we can, we can go all night. I could go all night. <laughs> so. go all anyways, night. Uh, thank That's you it. so much for being on the thank show. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, no, you're a blast. Love your voice. Um, and uh Definitely want to have you, uh, and I'm remote. I could come to you, and you know, so you can go bed on time. I guess no, it's but, okay. Uh, but please, uh, if you uh, enjoy this podcast, like, subscribe. Um, you can find us on iHeartRadio, Spotify. Uh, we're on Anchor, YouTube, um, iTunes, or wherever else podcasts are found. We'll see you next Sunday live, 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, and we are out. Thanks for joining us.